welcome to the Science and Paranormal with Dr. Yana and Dr. Elliot, where science meets the unexpected, where we delve deep into the mysteries that straddle the line between scientific inquiry and paranormal. Get ready for a mind-altering journey as we embark on this phenomenal discovery together on United Public Radio Network, 107.7 FM. Good evening. I'm flying solo tonight. Dr. Yana was having some technical difficulties, so I will be your host tonight, Dr. Elliot Van Dusen. Tonight, I'm going to talk a little bit about New Year's Eve uh, traditions, superstitions, and predictions. Um, but first, I have to share some exciting news. Um, the 2024 Halifax Paranormal Symposium uh, being held in Halifax, Nova Scotia on Saturday, October 12th, 2024, is uh, well underway for planning. Um, we have four out of the five guest speakers signed contracts, so we are hoping to make that announcement soon. And today we just launched our new sponsorship tier, so we will be uh, looking for sponsors for the 2024 Halifax Paranormal Symposium. Uh, quite a few different uh, you know, companies sponsor us. We had uh, Deodor Realm, uh, who you may be familiar with, with Michelle DeRocher. And uh, actually, that reminds me, I am actually recording live right now um, on the United Public Radio Network, the UFO Paranormal Radio Network, 105.3 and 107.7 FM from beautiful New Orleans and also on uh, Roku TV. Uh, yeah, so uh, Michelle DeRoche was uh, a sponsor last year um, with the Outer Realm, uh, the Exxon uh, radio show was also a sponsor. Uh, Superstitious Times for anyone that's uh, listened to Brian Baker or, or read his work. Uh, we also had a bunch of local sponsors as well. Astrofest. Anyone familiar with the Great Amherst Mystery or the Esther Cox case from Amherst, Nova Scotia? Uh, we paired up with Astrofest this year. Got two free tickets to their paranormal conference and also. Um, to a ghost hunt with Paranormal Phenomena Research Investigation, which is the organization I'm the director for. So if anyone out there listening owns a business, works for a business, has an interest in the paranormal, and you think that they would make a good sponsor, um, have them come visit our website at ppri.net slash sponsors. Uh, if you want to be a sponsor or you just want to make an individual contribution as well, um, we are um this year doing an individual contribution through a non-profit fundraising web page called chuffed chuff.org so uh you can be an individual sponsor as well if you've got you know if you want to give up your 20 dollars coffee uh money for the for the month to help us uh, put on you know a very important and educational event uh, up here in canada especially we don't have many paranormal conferences in Canada, like you guys do in the United States. Um, I, I'm not quite sure the reason, you know, like BC, British Columbia is very popular for Bigfoot sightings, UFO sightings. Uh, it has lake monsters, um, 
but there's there's not a ton of conferences that are held there. Ontario has a, a huge population here in Canada, and uh, again, there hasn't been any big paranormal conferences there. So uh, last year, the Halifax Paranormal Symposium was uh, an inaugural event, and I brought in uh, a couple of guest speakers from the United States. I had Dr. Richard Gallagher, who uh, is a psychiatrist from Columbia University that believes in demonic possession. We had Lauren Coleman. Uh, he couldn't attend physically. He ended up uh, having to uh, appear by uh, Skype uh, or uh, Zoom, but um, he did uh, he did uh, try to make it anyway. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to uh, announce who the guest speakers uh, will be uh, soon and, and maybe even as early as next week on, on next week's show. Um, but we are currently looking for uh, sponsors. So anyone that's interested, please reach out. You can either email us at info at ppri.net or, like I said, visit our website, ppri.net slash sponsors. Uh, other than that, I haven't really been up to uh, much else paranormal work. I'm, I'm getting ready to teach a couple more courses for anyone um, that's looking for online paranormal courses. We have uh, from the Parapsychological Education Center that Paranormal Phenomena Research Investigation organizes and runs. Uh, we're going to be doing an introduction to demonology course for $99 Canadian. Uh, that uh, is a four-week course, and we will talk a little bit about ancient demonology. We will talk a little bit um, about mental health issues that mimic uh, demonic possession. And I try and get uh, guest speakers to come on as well. Uh, I was fortunate enough last class to have Archbishop uh, Plato Angelicus, uh, who was trained by the Vatican uh, to do exorcisms, come on, and also Sister Kia Francis. Um, they're part of uh, the Mexican Catholic Church, not the Roman Catholic Church. So um, she's actually an exorcist as well. There's no restrictions like there would be with the Roman Catholics. So anyone interested in demonology, we have that course starting up uh, next, no, uh, January 22nd. Uh, it'll be a Monday. Uh, if you can't make the live lectures, don't worry, we record them and then post it later and you can have all week to watch it and get ready for, for the next week. And then uh, once that course finishes up um, on February 19th uh, will be the start date of our new course, eight-week course, Ghosts and Hauntings. And we'll talk uh, all about ghosts and hauntings, really. We'll talk about uh, the history of ghosts um right back to ancient times uh and lead you up to you know uh, some case studies involving uh, ghosts and hauntings and some investigative techniques and it should be really fun and really interesting i've i've got people that have uh, enrolled already I've, I've, i see the enrollment email uh, coming through so uh, we're pretty pretty excited about that and to find out more information about these online courses that uh myself and other members of PPRI will be teaching. You can go to uh, PPRI.net and uh, click our education link and then click the Parapsychological Education Center. Other than that, that's uh, that's pretty much it. So tonight, um, Dr. Yana and I uh, talked about talking about New Year's Eve traditions, superstitions, uh, predictions. Um, thought it would be kind of fun and interesting to, to kick off the new year. Hopefully everybody had... A great holiday. I know I had a great Christmas. I also, um, you know, had a good New Year's. Went over to the brother-in-law's house. They they made me um, 
for anyone that follows my social media or PPRI's social media, usually it's at PPRI INC, standing for PPRI uh, Incorporated. Um, did some a little bit of karaoke in Ghostbusters with my uh, niece Summer. It wasn't uh, the prettiest, but uh, I, I I made it made it through. Um, yeah, so we we had a great time. So normally, what what I do on on New Year's Eve is uh, it's not as big as Christmas. I even when I was a police officer, I used to volunteer to uh, work New Year's Eve because as you got more and more senior, you uh, had the choice to either have Christmas off with your family or uh, New Year's Eve. And New Year's Eve was never you know that that big. Uh, I wasn't a big party or anything like that. So I usually volunteered to to work it. And uh, of course, it was fun. You know, lots of lots of drunks, lots of car accidents, lots, you know, lots of fights, stuff like that. Um. So yeah, so uh, normally I, I don't do a whole lot for for New Year's Eve. Usually, uh, you know, when I was a kid growing up, my my mom would have a drop in kind of party, and uh, people would just drop into the house, and there'd be all kinds of food, good food, and good snacks, and that's kind of what we did uh, this year, except it was at the. Uh, brother-in-law's house who's a member of PPRI as well uh, for those of you uh, uh, that uh, may know Andrew Baird he sometimes does uh, lectures with me he's our corporate secretary uh, for PPRI so uh, yeah we just went over to his house had a great time did some terrible karaoke singing but uh, it was fun um, you guys you know you can certainly let us know what your New Year's Eve uh, tradition is uh, a lot of people you know have them and I was looking at some of the ones from around the world, and there was a couple that I, I found really interesting. Um, over in Scotland and parts of England, uh, there's a tradition called first footing, where the first person to enter into a home after midnight will bring either good or bad luck, depending on their uh, characteristics that they have. Um, they believe that it may have stemmed uh, as far back as the Viking days because um the tra tradition goes if it's a tall dark-haired uh man then it's it's going to be good luck and if it's a kind of a tall blondish haired man then it's going to going to be bad luck and they attributed that to um the uh the vikings back back in those days so if you had a viking knock on your door uh it was usually not good and trouble would ensue um, so I thought that was uh, interesting. Some uh, smaller parts of the communities there also have a, a different part of the first footer uh, tradition uh, where the person may have to leave through the back door and, and things like that. But um, I thought that was kind of an interesting tradition over there. Uh, in Spain and some Latin American countries, they eat 12 grapes at midnight and the 12 grapes uh, at the stroke of midnight is believed to bring good luck for each month in the new year uh, which i thought was uh, really interesting my daughter meadow would have loved that one she's absolutely hooked on grapes right now an interesting one that i hadn't heard of I, i've heard of colors being associated to good luck uh, but there are some cultures that wear specific color underwear on new year's eve and it's thought to kind of influence your fortune for the new year uh, red symbolizes love, yellow symbolizes wealth, uh, green symbolizes uh, good health. Um, my wife uh, my wife was wearing black underwear, so we were 
we're trying to figure out, you know, what the, what did that mean about her? Um, unfortunately, there really wasn't much about black underwear. Uh, it said it's usually a fashion pre uh, preference. <laughs> um, it did say that in some, you know, some cultures believe uh, it black represents protection uh, from negative energy or absorption of uh, destructive negative vibes. Um, interestingly enough, she had asked me for Christmas, one, one of her Christmas gifts she wanted was a necklace uh, or some object to protect her when we go and do investigations. And I said, oh, I said, you know, she's a bit of a, a critical investigator. She's, she's not, uh, you know, she's, she's a believer, but uh, she's got a good mind and a good analytical mind. And I said, oh, I said, are you, are you worried? And she said, yes, you're bringing me to all these crazy places and we're doing these investigations and she said i want something that protects me so i did some research uh on that and uh black onyx has been used uh, since ancient times to ward off evil spirits and is believed to have a lot of uh positive attributes about it so for christmas i got her a black onyx uh pear-shaped pear necklace and it's surrounded by white lab created uh sapphire sapphires my birthstone so i thought that was really cool it kind of had like you know paranormal meaning to it but also a personal meaning to it and uh yeah so we ended up uh, doing that uh, but yeah black underwear didn't really really have anything cool about it kind of just fashion uh the other color was blue uh for peace uh, just looking at my notes, uh, blue for peace, which um, uh, which is really interesting. I, I hadn't heard that one. Some of the cultures that participate in wearing specific colored underwear on New Year's Eve are, are Latin uh, American countries, such as uh, Spain, um, Brazil, uh, Mexico, uh, Latin America. They all um, follow that tradition a lot of them wear yellow for luck or red for love um brazilians wear colorful underwear and that's believed to attract specific fortunes in the new year and uh again most popular colors are yellow and red um italy wears red but they also believe that it symbolizes uh, not just love but luck and fertility as well and venezuela uh apparently like to wear yellow underwear uh, which uh, favors good luck and, and happiness. Um, so I thought the color of underwear on New Year's Eve was an interesting tradition. Uh, making noise pretty much, well, geez, I'm, I'm here in Canada, and you know on New Year's Eve there's going to be fireworks, there's going to be firecrackers, there's going to be those, uh, you know, whistles and all that stuff. So um, apparently... Uh, some of the cultural history with making noise was that uh, some cultures believe that it uh, was done to scare away evil spirits um, and kind of keep bad luck away um, during the uh, you know the the new year and Canada actually I was surprised Canada and the United States uh, falls in, into that as well um, it said that fireworks loud parties ringing bells are all common, you know, in Canada, United States, and Europe. The noise is believed to ward off evil spirits and bad luck and uh, brings a fresh start to, to the new year. 
China and East Asian countries as well do firecrackers and fireworks uh, during their traditional um, Chinese New Year celebrations. Uh, and that kind of comes from a legend that they have of a monster named uh, Nyan. And loud noises are believed to uh, scare away evil spirits. The Philippines also uh, do a lot of firecrackers and horns to bang pots and pans. Uh, and they believe that that helps dispel misfortune and also ward off evil spirits. Um, same with the Latin American countries, uh, countries like Mexico, Brazil, fireworks, music, parties, and uh, some cultures there believe that it scares away uh, bad spirits. It keeps bad luck away. Now, South Africa had an interesting New Year's Eve tradition. Uh, in Johannesburg and some other cities, they have a tradition of throwing old furniture out the window, uh, which creates a bunch of racket and is done to kind of scare away evil spirits. However, I heard that uh, the practice is discouraged for safety reasons. So you, you can imagine, imagine why. Um, thought that was, you know, kind of an interesting New Year's Eve uh, tradition or superstition. And uh, the last one I kind of came across was uh, cleaning the house. Uh, so in some cultures, cleaning the house before New Year's Eve uh, is kind of seen as sweeping away the bad luck of the past year and uh, preparing for a fresh start in, in your new year. And um, mostly, I wasn't surprised uh, to, to hear this, but uh, it's very popular in Japan. And I may mispronounce the Japanese word, but um, it's called uh, usuiju, uh, which literally means big cleaning. And so they uh, thoroughly clean homes, schools, workplaces uh, in late December. And they believe that it's preparing for the new year and welcoming ancestral spirits and gods. Uh, the Chinese um, and Chinese-influenced cultures as well have a New Year's tradition of cleaning uh, the house to sweep away any ill fortune uh, and make way for, um, you know, uh, positive uh, intentions coming in, uh, in for the New Year. Iran uh, actually does the same thing as well. I was, I was really surprised about uh, Iran um, with this, but they also uh, do a lot of cleaning and, uh, you know, believe in the same thing about getting that fresh start, warding off, you know, any negative energy that they might have come into contact with. Uh, Scotland, again, uh, they... On top of the first voting, they also do the same thing about uh, cleaning and preparing for the, the new year. And I was really surprised in Western cultures, um, it, uh, of course, like we don't have that tradition. We have spring cleaning, which is usually done in, you know, January or February. Um, and that can kind of be like a sim, a symbolic kind of, you know, clearing of our house, but usually it's for physical clutter and, and junk, but um i guess symbolically it could be kind of the same as, as some of the other cultures um you know which which i thought was uh was really interesting um i, re I remember growing up with uh some of these uh predictions as well so every, every uh once in a while you'd get this uh get this like newspaper article or you'd hear something on the news about a prediction that was coming for the next year and usually it was negative 
um, but uh, one of the first ones I remember was the big Y2K bug scare of uh, December um, 31st, 1999. And uh, when the clock was supposed to roll over to January 1st, 2000, everybody thought that uh, all the computers in the world were going to crash. And this was due to a programming shortcut and that the software didn't recognize that, uh, you know, it was going to be the year 2000. Everything was going to crash. And there was a lot of hype around this. They were selling uh, programs to update your computer with and kind of like really it was like software scam really because it didn't it didn't really help and nothing really, you know, negative happened. Um, there was no, you know, major failures, no power plants crashed, no nuclear power plants melted down. Um, the software industry, you know, was on top of it, uh, doing updates to systems and, you know, extensive checks and things like that, but nothing really happened. In fact, I remember, uh, going on the internet the next day to see what happened. I still had internet, so I was happy. Um, and I believe there was a couple of ATM machines over in Europe that had crashed, uh, because the software on them was just sold. And that was the worst that I could find. Um, this one I don't remember because I was nowhere near to be born, but apparently in 1910, uh, Halley's Comet uh, had passed um, us, and Earth was uh, passing through the tail of uh, Halley's Comet, and it was predicted that this would bring very catastrophic consequences to Earth, that we would be um, poisoned by uh, get toxic gases uh, that were in, uh, you know, in this comet's tail and of course that never happened now the second one that i do remember was uh remember everyone thought that and even on TikTok now you're still seeing videos talking about that the the world ended in uh 2012 um but there was the 2012 mayan calendar prediction that uh obviously never came through um but it was that the world would end in 2012 because the mayan calendar had stopped at 2012 and that gained um, significant worldwide attention, but ultimately was unfounded. Or, as some people on TikTok will have you believe, I guess we're just living in a simulation since the world ended in 2012. Whatever, whatever you believe. Um. So uh, yeah, so those were uh, those were some interesting ones. And then I was looking uh, looking up to see what else uh, was predicted for this year so uh, some media outlets are reporting that flying cars will be uh, hitting the market in 2024 i know that there actually are companies working on flying cars i saw um, a news article not too long ago uh, talking about the flying car how fast it can go um, that you can also drive it as well up to 55, maybe it's 55 kilometers. And then anything after that, you would start to initiate the flight mode and, and it would fly. There are, uh, governments are working on laws and licensing issues with uh, flying cars. So, uh, being worked on, um, and coming, well, they'll come in 2024 or not. Uh, I, I don't know, but, um, that is one of the predictions for 2024. Um, there's also been talk about uh, big changes with governments for 2024. Apparently, 
Um, there's a massive amount of people that can vote uh, next year. Um, something like four and a half billion people, so almost half of uh, half of Earth. So might be might be some big uh, government changes happening there. You know, um, there's always economic predictions made as well. Uh, there was a talk about there being um, a crash in uh, 2000 because of the Y2K um, kind of scare. And then also in 2020 as well, uh, talking about there, there being a crash. And even though there was COVID, uh, which hit us in, in 2020, and the market definitely fluctuated, um, there wasn't a crash per se, like, you know, during the Great Depression times. Uh, natural disasters are another common prediction for New Year's Eve uh, predictions. Uh, certainly things like earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, climate issues like flooding and droughts. And um, there was a bunch of newspapers kind of talking about uh, some dr drought and flood, uh, flooded uh, areas increasing for 2024. So I guess we'll... Uh, We'll figure that out. They predict uh, El Nino, Nino uh, is expected to continue through spring. Percent likelihood uh, potentially leading to below average snowfall in North America and global food assistance needs. Um, million people. So uh, they kind of make um, difference, you know, different predictions in different areas. Uh, astronomy uh, was interesting because NASA does plan to send uh, some a manned mission to, not to the moon, but around the moon uh, in November. So uh, that was on the, the common prediction for 2024 was uh, space exploration. Uh, I believe it's the SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket that will be uh, taking the, the lunar lander near the moon and that's supposed to happen in, in November. So that'll be really interesting. A socioeconomic uh, prediction over in Europe was that people age 65 or older will outnumber the youth in Europe. So an aging population, um, which is interesting because I just saw a tweet or I guess a, an X uh, from Elon Musk earlier today, which was talking about uh, one of the huge issues on, on earth is uh, the decline in, in population. Although I still, still find it hard to believe because when I was watching X-Files, the world population was at 6 billion and we're now at 8 billion. So that's 2 billion more people, but apparently places like China and uh, India uh, are seeing a decline in, in birth rates and, Apparently, it's it's not good. It's gonna be it's gonna be bad. But I mean, I don't know. The population of Earth seems to keep growing. So take that take that one for uh, for what you will. Um, there are some really interesting predictions that were done by uh, Nostradamus, who's well known for. Uh, he was a 16th uh, century astrologer and a, a seer or soothsayer and he's famous for kind of cryptic uh predicted future events and uh some people believe that he 
predicted the rise of Hitler in World War II. And um, his reference to Hitler, uh, I believe the name had come to him as Hister, H-I-S-T-E-R. Uh, the French Rev Revolution as well, his uh, um, belief uh, was that the French Revolution would occur, uh, that there'd be turmoil and a fall of a king, and uh, some people think that he, he predicted uh, that. Uh, there was a Great Fire of London, um, no, uh, no one as a Great Fire of London in 1666 that they believe that he predicted and some people believe that he also predicted the 11th attacks uh, in the in the US he does have some outstanding predictions that have not come to fruition yet they may never come to fruition or maybe 2024 will be the year uh, global wars and conflicts so uh, he did predict uh, future global conflicts or wars again kind of general just being critical um you know there's been wars fought forever as long as men you know and and uh, homo sapiens have been around probably even before then i'm sure the I'm sure ancestors of the cavemen were probably fighting over territory and, and women and resources so that, that one's kind of bad uh Certainly natural disasters. He still has some outstanding natural disaster predictions uh, with earthquakes, tsunamis, natural disasters. It's actually interesting enough. Uh, I messaged Dr. Yana earlier this week because I saw on the news that San Diego was having a bunch of flooding from a tsunami um, because Japan had that huge 7.5 uh, magnitude earthquake there and San Diego where Dr. Yana uh, works and, and lives uh, was actually flooding and there was news footage of it. So I messaged her. She said she was, she was okay, but there was some localized flooding. So certainly, you know, earthquakes and tsunamis and even volcanic activity are quite common in, in earth, but um, it's always seen as a prediction for a natural disaster. And it usually is, is brought up, you know, it seems almost every year there's some sort of natural disaster that's going to occur. Um, and then uh, technological and societal changes, he kind of made some allusions that there's going to be, you know, technological advances and some major societal shifts. But, you know, again, it's so big. I, I prefer to have something that you can corroborate. And with something like that, I mean, you can't really corroborate it all. You can, like, for example, the technology advancement well this year we saw a huge advancement with artificial intelligence i used to do a lecture um called uh hauntings investigating apparitions poltergeists and demons and i used to show a photo of my niece and nephew colton and annie and the only thing that was real in that photo was them and the clothes that they were wearing it was a picture of them sitting on a dock and you could see the reflection in the water and uh there was like this beautiful like field behind them and none of that was real the only thing that was real was the clothes that they were wearing and they weren't even sitting on a dock they were actually sitting on like studio chairs but back then you know the photographers could do some amazing things with the pictures well now all that can be done in seconds with artificial intelligence so 
certainly we've we've seen you know huge increases in technology and uh societal changes i mean holy smokes i can't even i can't even begin to tell you the difference from when i was a kid to, <laughs> to now I'm, I'm seeing uh kids drop out of school earlier um yeah like i can go into the the women's bash bathroom if i want to now uh you know most places have uh unisex bathrooms now um justin trudeau our prime minister just put tampons in all uh washroom in, uh, federal buildings including men's washrooms so you know if i need a tampon for for something you know it, it's there it's free so societal changes you know I don't know what they're waiting for. If uh, this is the most radical I've seen society since since I've been around in the last forty years, so I don't I don't know if, why no one's claiming that Norshadamus's prediction has has come true. And if this isn't it, then God only knows what twenty twenty four is going to bring us. Um, but no, it's uh. It's, it, it's very, very interesting. Uh, and there's like some crazy predictions out there as well. Um, for example, I, I read one that said uh, that Prince Harry uh, will become king in 2024. And I have no idea like where these people that are uh, getting uh, these predictions are coming from. I don't know if some of it's just misinformation and they're making it up. I don't know if, um, you know, they had a vision of this but yeah that was one prediction i read saying that uh, prince harry was going to um become king in 2024 uh some people uh were predicting a new pope for 2024 um i saw that some people predict that there will be a peace agreement between ukraine and russia for 2024 but again, these are all these are all vague. You know, it it, it could happen for sure, um, but it also might not happen. And uh, I mean, obviously, if it doesn't happen, then their prediction was wrong. But they're such kind of simple and vague predictions that um, it could possibly happen. And it's nothing paranormal. It's just chance. It's just you know good political negotiation um so really really fascinating um i'd love to hear if you guys have any uh new year's uh, Eve's, uh tradition so if you're you're watching on youtube or anything like that and uh, you have access to our, our chat let me know if you guys have any traditions or predictions or anything like that another common uh, new year New Year's Eve tradition is to come up with a, a resolution, and I have, uh, I have done uh, New Year's resolutions before in the past. Um, you know, a uh, big one is is lose weight, of course, and I'm not talking about like paying, uh, you know, $150 gym membership and and not going, and uh, you see all the memes about that uh, gym owners getting rich in January and then by February and don't like don't get me wrong when i did actually used to go to a, a gym uh they would get busy in january like all of a sudden it would be completely packed 
and you'd have to wait to use the weights and the machines. Um, and then, of course, by February 1st, it was back to normal. <laughs> Most people dropped off and realized it's a lot of work. Um, but I have done uh, New Year's Eve uh, resolutions for weight loss and have actually stuck to it. Uh, I think I've gone from fat to fit now, I want to say five times. And I tell myself every time that I'm not going to get fat again. And then... I continue to just eat stuff that's not good for me. Um, but I didn't have a, a resolution this year. I just, if I had any resolution for this year, I think it was just that, you know, the world is so negative. The news is so negative. Politics is so negative. There's a lot of negative things happening in, in my country, Canada, as I'm sure there is in other countries. You know, our current government is, is brutal. And some of the changes that they're making uh, for people. Never seen so many homeless people like in my area and there's baseball fields with people living in tents in them and stuff now. And the city, there was an article just in the paper the other day that the city of Halifax is putting down generators by these uh, encampments so that people can like tap into it and use some electricity. And it's, it's crazy. I've never seen it as bad. And I've had some people, Try and argue with me saying that, oh, yeah, it's it's nothing different. It's just getting publicized and stuff. Well, no, I've never seen like a baseball field in my home community that's been a baseball field for ever now be used to house tents and homeless people. And uh, I know that there's uh, I'm a veteran myself. I'm a Royal Canadian Mounted Police uh, veteran, um, which falls Veterans Canada. And. I saw a video of our, uh, I think it was our shadow minister of Vets Affairs asking uh, a nonprofit organization if it was true that there's currently, you know, Canadian military personnel sleeping in their car because they can't afford rent and then putting their uniform on and going to work. And she said, yes, that, that it's true. So certainly a lot of negative stuff. So I kind of just had the idea to you know what try not to let uh any of that stuff that i can't control um affect me this year and just try and you know focus on some personal goals um so i never really set like a resolution but uh, my wife and i have some personal goals you know we want to take a, a nice vacation um either in the spring or maybe the fall depending on when she can get time off work um, I want to have a successful 2024 Halifax Paranormal Symposium. It's our second one. So it means, you know, a lot to me to work hard all year to get that ready and, and put on a, a good entertaining but educational uh, show for whoever can attend. Uh, you know, we said we want to pay off some debt. Uh, you know, we, we have a couple of heat pumps that we're still paying for. And... Um, uh, a couch that we bought uh, with the don't pay, don't pay any interest for a year. So we got to get it paid off by September so we don't get dinged with the uh, interest. So, you know, just some simple goals. And uh, my, my goal is to um, just kind of enjoy 2024 as best as possible. And, you know, I had a, a good Christmas uh, with, with family and enjoyed my New Year's Eve and, just kind of went into the, the new year, seeing what happens this year. I didn't set any uh, 
any crazy resolutions, but uh, I love listening to other people's resolutions, and I love seeing if they um, if they've you know come true, and and uh, you know, like I said, I, I have had them before and and stuck with them and had success. Um, in fact, for the last five months, uh, my wife and I have been doing the keto diet. And uh, I've got a lot of injuries from policing. So my knees have osteoarthritis in them. And uh, I had a t uh, partially torn MCL in one. I've got uh, bad back. I've got uh, lumbar disc disease, cervical disc disease, uh, all from policing. Having the heavy vest on and the heavy-duty belt on and sitting in the car. Uh, not er ergonomically correct, you know, you're kind of sideways typing and um, getting in fights and injured and things like that. So uh, working out uh, is, is difficult for, for me now. So um, luckily the, the keto diet has worked very well for me and uh, also on Ozempic as well. Uh, so I can't say it's all keto, but uh, a mix between keto and Ozempic, and I'm down 48 pounds, feeling a lot better. I think I'm sitting at 204. I want to hit 190, so that's kind of a, I guess, another New Year's goal for me is, you know, drop that last 12 pounds, but uh, I'm definitely a lot healthier and feeling a lot better, so so that's good. Um, but that was it. Uh, when I was looking for, you know, any sort of 2024 uh, predictions or really wasn't anything too crazy. It's more about, um, kind of your natural disasters, uh, predictions for, you know, some more droughts and, and more flooding and just very generic stuff. There was nothing, um, nothing, uh, you know, kind of, kind of crazy. So, um, hi, uh, hi, Doctor. See on the chat there. Did did you have any uh, New Year's resolutions, or did you, you know, do you have any sort of New Year's traditions? Um. Yeah, uh, it's it's really interesting. You used to get uh, mediums like popular mediums uh, post uh, their their thoughts and beliefs, you know, as well. But um, it's been like I said, pretty pretty kind of tame. I, I didn't see anything too crazy. It was just talking about technology. Uh, you know, some people uh, look at the Nostradamus writings as well and, and say that World War III, we're still waiting for. Uh, I believe he predicted World War III, talking about, um, you know, uh, either a major cyber attack happening or uh, South China Sea. Obviously, Nostradamus wouldn't have, known about cyber attacks back then but that's that's what people do they take the writing and they kind of put some interpretation into it um there's always talk about a, a new pandemic some people think that he predicted uh the covid pandemic um but uh, some people also say that there could possibly be um, viruses entombed in Antarctic ice that will get released because of global warming and, and that may affect us. I actually saw a TikTok about that there the other day, uh, but it wasn't about kind of like any sort of conspiracy or uh, predictions. It was actually people drinking glacial water and the guy was just kind of warning people like you should um, kind of know what you're drinking and be careful. 
because uh, he kind of mentioned the same thing that you know there's could be a, some viruses frozen in in the Antarctic ice, and if it's melting and you're drinking stuff, you might get really really sick if there's something in there that uh, we don't know about. So he was just basically urging people to know where their water's coming from. Uh, I, I like again. I think the strangest one was uh, Prince Harry becoming king because right now we have uh, you know, Charles as king, and then next in line is uh, um, what's his name? His brother. I like. I I'm kind of like on Team Harry side. I think uh, Harry's kind of more down to earth. Uh, whatever his brother's name is, um, I can't even think. William. Uh, you know, William and, and his kind of bloodline are, are next in line. So not sure how accurate that is. I mean, yeah, that, uh, I can't say what I want to say. Uh, I, I don't know if I'll get in trouble for saying that. Um, another, uh, inter uh, interesting one though was alien contact, but, uh, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people say that as well, uh, that. You know, this is going to be the year for disclosure. And then we have a couple of meetings and uh, all of a sudden that's it. You don't hear anything more. And I was really surprised. Um, I think Dr. Yana and I talked about this a couple episodes ago, but that there's hasn't been much more update on the aliens that uh, were allegedly found in, in Peru. Um, I heard that they had done uh, DNA tests. DNA test, and there was like 30% DNA that they couldn't account for. And this should be like worldwide news. And we were talking about fatigue, everyone's fatigued uh, from COVID and then the lockdowns and getting the vaccinations and the current state of government and the current state of the economy and taxes that everyone's just so tired and so exhausted and so kind of beat down that. You know, there was all kinds of jokes going around that the you know, government just admitted that there's extraterrestrials and nobody cares, um, which is not all quite true. The government hasn't admitted that there's extraterrestrials. Uh, one intelligence officer uh, who hasn't witnessed the extraterrestrials himself, uh, but has been told by many high-ranking individuals within the United States government that extraterrestrials exist. Um, so they haven't really admitted that they exist, but has been discussed. Um, will we make contact with aliens in 2024? I don't know. I, I'm doubtful of that. Um, it, it's interesting. I, I watched an old documentary a couple months ago. Stanton T. Friedman was in it. Uh, he was a nuclear physicist from, uh, lived in New Brunswick, Canada. And I got to know him when I was just starting out in the paranormal. I've been investigating the paranormal since uh, 1997. And I used to converse with uh, Stanton on email and got to meet him at, you know, UFO conferences that he would go to. And after I joined the RCMP and because I was a big fan of the X-Files and I was investigating the paranormal, he uh, used to call me uh, Fox Mulder. And... Uh, Anytime he'd write me an email, I would say like Fox or, you know, Fox Mulder. So it was kind of cool. Um, and he was talking about, they asked him that question, you know, like how come aliens haven't come down and, and talked to us? And he said this, he said something that was so true. He said, would you come down and talk to us? Look at how hostile we are. 
And if you think about it, um, you know, like uh, Andrew Baird with my um, organization, he used to be an aerospace uh, officer for uh, the Canadian military, so an air traffic controller, and scramble jets to intercept these objects that would come in into uh, the sky. We've seen, um, you know, like for example, like when the U.S. is is over uh, doing uh, exercises, as they say, with uh, South Korea, um, and they get buzzed by a Russian jet or a Chinese jet. They talk about how hostile it was, but yet they Americans do the same thing with UFOs. They dispatch, you know, fighter jets, and they try and. Uh, get close enough to them that it would be considered what they consider, you know, hostile. And, uh, then of course, if you believe, uh, what's been told to us about, um, from David Grush, that some, uh, UFOs have been recovered. Some have been shot down. Uh, some have been retrieved after they've been shot down, you know, it may kind of make sense that they, would want to come to earth and observe us, but not necessarily interact with us because we like to blow things up. And it would be kind of interesting if, um, I'm a big, uh, kind of a space nerd. So I was reading about the kind of micro satellites that they want to launch to, um, Alpha Centauri and they can get them to go as fast. They predict they can get them to go as fast as 20% uh, the speed of light. So it would take 20 years to get to Alpha Centauri. And what they would do is build these micro satellites and zap them with lasers. And it would send them uh, about 20% the speed of light, which is so much faster than, you know, if we were to send a probe there. But it would be interesting, you know, if we found a planet with intelligence, uh, intelligent life, and they had similar, you know, things like we do, like fighter jets, or maybe they got UFOs with, uh, you know, uh, missiles and guns and stuff like that on it. Um, you know, if we sent like this probe into their atmosphere, we're like recording, oh, look at this beautiful land, and then all of a sudden, like, it just goes disconnect because they blew it up, and they, you know, they wonder why. UFOs and aliens don't just want to make themselves uh, appear here. Um, you know, Stanton said it himself that humans are pretty hostile. So, uh, yeah, no, that, that makes sense. So I, I, I don't know if that one will happen. It would be very cool. Um, you know, we made alien contact in 2024. But, again, that's some of these uh, predictions are just kind of you know, like I said, they could happen or they might not happen. Um, but they are they are fun to read, um, especially the ones that um, I like to kind of, <laughs> I know it's so negative, but uh, I like the uh, kind of the end of the world ones and, and waiting because the, the world was supposed to end so many times and, and it hasn't. Um, so, uh, so that's interesting. Actually, speaking of end of the world, I know some predictions before that I've read uh, was about uh, that this is going to be the year of the second coming of Christ because, uh, you know, the dragon's only supposed to be locked up for 2,000 years. And, uh, you know, we're now in the year 2024. It's, it's got to be this year and and uh, all this stuff. But, again, that, that has not obviously come to, to fruition.
either. Um, yeah, so all kinds of different and, and strange uh, predictions. But um, I'm just trying to think of any other kind of traditions uh, that people have for New Year's Eve. Like, like one year I did um, something a little crazy. I, I was thinking about taking my wife to New York City for New Year's Eve because that's that's the New Year's Eve city, you know, uh, live from Times Square. Um, but the cost to stay downtown Manhattan at the time was crazy. The, uh, flights were crazy. So instead, uh, it was last year we went to Boston instead and, uh, I took her to a Boston Bruins game, uh, which is both our favorite team hockey teams. Uh, she had never seen, um, the Boston Bruins play at, uh, TD garden. So we went there and, uh, had a blast and, then for New Year's Eve, you know, we just kind of went out, um, went out for dinner, and then hung around Boston and and the hotels. Uh, so that that was kind of cool. Um, but I know, you know, uh, other people get together and play board games with friends and family. Other people like to go partying. Um, there are adult New Year's Eve parties. Um, you know, tons of house parties around here in Nova Scotia. That, that's or kitchen parties, as they call them. Um, those are, you know, some, some pretty big ones. Uh, a lot of people get Chinese food uh, here or pizza. Seems to be popular as well uh, for Chinese. Um, I have done that with my family before, and it was uh, it was really good. But I got turned off one year because uh, one year we did actually order Chinese food from our favorite restaurant. And uh, it was normally awesome food. And uh, they only take so many orders on New Year's Eve, and they close at 8 o'clock. And um, you had to put your pre-order in, and you had a certain time that it would be ready, and you had to go pick it up. And I remember that year I went. It was like 4 o'clock. I went. It was not ready. And they told me it was going to be like another two hours. So I went back home and called them before I left. They said it was going to be ready in like another half hour so i said okay good thing i called so then i went back down got it brought it home um we had uh two of our friends over so it was me my wife and two friends we're absolutely starving we've been waiting for this chinese food for hours it was two and a half hours late probably more like three by the time i got home or, or three or four hours maybe with all the driving back and forth bragging about how good this chinese food was crack it open and it was terrible it was almost um you think that where you would think two things like where they're mass producing it it would be so fresh um but it was actually like it's almost like the rice didn't taste like they had enough soy sauce in it like they normally do and it was just awful um so i've been terrified that was a couple years ago now that was probably three or four years ago now. So I'm absolutely terrified to order Chinese food on New Year's Eve. I think if you're going to do it, um, do it either after or before. Uh, another uh, common thing around here anyway in, in Nova Scotia for New Year's Eve tradition is uh, to have lobster. Order lobster and have some friends over and do a big lobster boil. And just wanted to let you know, we're broadcasting live on the United Public Radio Network. 
UFO Paranormal Radio Network, 105.3, 107.7 FM in New Orleans, and also on Roku TV. Riding solo tonight, just Dr. Elliot here. We don't have uh, Dr. Yana. She uh, had some technical difficulties, so I'm holding down the fort tonight with you guys. Um, yeah, that's, you know, that's really all... Uh, I could come up with for kind of predictions and stuff like that this year. There wasn't anything crazy. Um, but I think, uh, I think 2024 uh, is going to be, you know, a good, a good year for my organization anyway, paranormal phenomena research investigation. Uh, like I said, we've got uh, two online courses starting. Uh, we've got the introduction to demonology starting on January 22nd. And that's a four-week course, and I talk a little bit about ancient demonology and mental illness and how it mirrors, um, how it can mirror uh, demonic possession in some cases. And then in February, uh, on the 19th, I have a new Ghosts and Hauntings course. These are all taught online. Again, very flexible. We do a live lecture once a week. It's recorded uh, through Zoom, and then... It's uploaded to the course Moodle afterwards. And um, I can't remember if I said the price of the Ghost and Hunting course. It's 150 Canadian. And the Introduction to Demonology course is $99 Canadian. And all that tuition money goes into uh, the nonprofit organization, Paranormal Phenomena Research Investigations. And we use that to purchase uh, new equipment, whether it's office equipment or um, ghost hunting equipment. Although there's no such equipment that can detect ghosts, for those of you that follow my work. Um, but tools to help you while you're investigating. And um, obviously any funds that don't go towards operations or administrative costs, uh, we put back into the uh, Halifax Paranormal Symposium. So uh, each year we hope to make it better. Last year I was hoping to do... Uh, you know, gift bags, for example. But unfortunately, uh, by the time all the guest speakers were booked and we financed, uh, you know, the room rentals and all that stuff, we didn't have uh, enough money to uh, have gift bags for for people. So this year, we're asking sponsors if there's anything that they want to donate as well as an in-kind donation um, so that we can put it into a gift bag. So anyone that's out there listening, if I don't know if your company has like a bunch of pens or something like that, or even a bunch of pads of paper um, to make notes with that you guys just have in a stock room and whatever you want to get rid of it. Hey, we'll take it um, and we'll put it, uh, you know, in the gift bag. And then that way, uh, while the lecturers are giving their lecture, if anyone wants to make any notes, they've got a pen and a piece of paper to write on. Uh, anything like that uh, is, is useful. Um, to us um like i said also if you go to ppri.net slash sponsors uh, we talk about the different sponsorship tiers that we came up with this year and we're also accepting this year individual contributions so um dr yana actually uh god god bless her soul she uh donated uh two hundred dollars uh to the halifax paranormal symposium and uh you know we were really happy for that that, that helped kind of kick off our campaign uh, a friend of mine, Lydia 
the Kaizik, who's a realtor, uh, donated fifty dollars as well. So we do have some individual contributions coming through uh, to assist us as well, because we want to put on the, the best event for you guys. We want to try and attract the, you know, uh, best uh, guest speakers. And I'm excited to announce uh, some of those uh, to you guys soon. Like I said, I'm just waiting for one contract to come back, and then we can announce the guest speakers. Um, but yeah, you can go to ppri.net slash sponsors if you know anyone or you have anything that you want to donate to us. Um, yeah, hit us up. Other than that, um, the uh, other, uh, big thing that uh, we do kind of have on in the works is uh, on the military, Terry base in Halifax on Staticona, there is uh, what used to be an old hospital, but it is now kind of a museum, and it's supposed to be very, very haunted. I guess a lot of people died from tuberculosis and things like that way back in the in the day when the base was uh, first in operation. Um, they used to have servants for the admirals, I guess, because uh, it's a naval base. Um, and apparently one of them fell down the stairs and broke their neck, and it's supposed to be haunted. So one of my members, uh, Pierre Filitro, is a retired member of the Royal Canadian Navy. So we have myself, retired Royal Canadian Police Officer. We have Andrew Baird, who was retired Royal Canadian Air Force. And we also have uh, Pierre Filitro, who's a retired Royal Canadian Navy officer. So it's kind of cool. We kind of have a very diverse paranormal investigative team. Uh, but he uh, might be able to get us access to that location uh, this year. So um, it, it's a very, very big museum, uh, a couple levels, probably going to take our whole team to do it. So I'm going to try and see if I can set something up. I think um, from what I told, I think this could be a promising location. Um, our last investigation that we did was a private residence up in Halifax, and we didn't get uh, didn't get anything there. Uh, but the one before that was uh, was really interesting. We did a, a private residence in uh, East Hants, Nova Scotia, and uh, what was happening is these items were materializing on the homeowners uh, out of nowhere, and they were just be regular like household items. Uh, there was like a hairbrush, a stick of deodorant. Um, the strange thing about this was, though, is that they were appearing kind of symmetrical. They were not like knocked over. They were like neatly stood up. Uh, there were CD uh, CDs in cases that would appear, and they were like very organized. Very, very strange. I, I kind of doubted it at first. I thought maybe... Um, you know, it could possibly be fraud or um, somebody could be frauding the homeowners or setting them up, pranking them. Um, reached out to uh, a panel of experts that uh, I sit on uh, a board with and learned something new. Apparently, there are some dogs that can symmetrically stack certain items, such as books and 
expert that sits on the this paranormal uh, expert board, and uh, they were telling us about that. But when we sent them the photographs of the case, they said, "Oh, geez, yeah, no, there's some items there that the dog wouldn't be able to, you know, kind of set up like that." So that kind of ruled that out. But it was good to know in future cases if you've got, you know, magazines or books or something like that that a dog can move around um it's good to kind of keep that in the mind that your dog might be the suspect it might not necessarily be a ghost so uh, i thought that was really cool uh you know learn something new on that uh we went to the house didn't witness anything paranormal ourselves but we brought along our medium jody and uh it was our first investigation with her didn't give her any details at all we said just show up at this house at uh this time and this location that was it so she showed up and she felt uh as soon as she got out of the car she felt a pain in her chest and her arm her left arm was numb and she felt like she was taking like a heart attack and what had happened is that the homeowners suspected that the person playing the prank on them was possibly uh the husband's uh, deceased father. So the deceased father had passed away in uh, the early 90s from a massive heart attack while he was on vacation. And they thought that um, it was his dad kind of uh, setting up like these items and, and causing mischief at the house. So that was interesting. And then when she was in the garage, and she didn't know any of that information, obviously. Uh, when she was in the garage, uh, she felt that in the back corner of the garage, there was something there that belonged to the male energy that she was feeling. And so she went over and she was looking for items. And she said, um, picked this one item up and said, it's this, it's this tape measure. And we checked with the homeowner outside of the medium's, uh, you know, hearing and presence. And it turns out that the tape measure she had picked up did belong to his father. And then she came in the house and she said she was having trouble kind of standing on her left leg and that it felt like she was on the ocean and she was kind of wobbly. And we found out that uh, the homeowners, the husband's mother had passed away January of last year and she had her left leg amputated because of uh, circulation issues. Well, that was interesting. Um, then there was a deck of cards that the homeowner uh, filled us in on saying that uh, about a week before we showed up there, she was playing cards with the neighbor's son. They got up at one point to get a drink, and when they came back, the wife realized she was missing a card, and it was the seven of spades. So they looked everywhere for the card, couldn't find it. Uh, searched everywhere underneath the deck and never showed up. So we give Jody, our medium, the stack of cards. And we said, is there any card that kind of stands out to you? And she said, I keep seeing the six and the eight of spades. And it was the seven of spades that was missing. So she was able to, and what they call that is, uh, that phenomenon is, uh, sigh missing so it's where they they don't hit on the right one but they kind of hit in between and uh that's that's what she did she 
you know, pretty much got right in between there. And the last one was, I didn't even know the husband's, excuse me, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> the uh, husband's, yeah, the husband's dad's name. And uh, so towards the end, we started to do a seance. And during the seance, uh, she was, Jody was trying to get the, the dad's name. And she said, I'm hearing a pup, pup, pup sound. And she said, is it Peter? And he said, no. Uh, Peter was his, his, dad, his dad's friend, though. And then she picked up the tape measure and asked the spirit again what his name was. And then she said, ah, he says his name's Paul. And it turned out to be correct. And I didn't even know that because um, I didn't interview uh, the... The husband, uh, one of my investigators, did. So, although we did not witness anything paranormal happen physically, uh, very subjectively, there was a lot of paranormal evidence in that case. So that was a really good case for us last year. Um, you know, that was definitely our, our most fascinating one. The only other investigation we did was kind of for fun. It was a public ghost hunt, uh, and that was during Esterfest. We, I did the uh, Cumberland County Museum. Um, for the most part, uh, nothing happened. There was a lot of people there. It was anything but a scientific investigation for sure. People there. I think there was 20, 20 people plus uh, myself and... Uh, another investigator and one staff member. So just way, way too many people for uh, a scientific investigation. But there was um, a crazy uh, blip on the EMF reader. It had gone up to around 160, I believe, where there was no live wires or any sort of reason why that should happen again it was just like a one-time anomaly so um could have been user error <clears throat> not sure uh some people reported cold spots there really was a cold spot downstairs because uh, i was interested the heat pump upstairs was producing heat but the heat pump downstairs was producing cold so there was one room uh it was a mine miners display room uh which was absolutely freezing but it's because the air conditioning was on for the heat pump. And then uh, the only thing that was interesting that I witnessed was uh, we were upstairs and there was one room where a few of the attendees said that they really did not like, they, they felt it was uh, negative, like a negative room or a negative feeling. And uh, we were in there and I was just about to play a prank on them. I was going to turn the lights out really quick and then turn them back on. And I know sooner did that, and all of a sudden the metal shelf that was in there kind of like shook really, really violently, um, just like really quick once. It was just like a, almost like somebody had tugged it. Um, but there was um, multiple witnesses there that said nobody had touched it, and we heard something hit the floor, and it sounded like it was metal. So, you know, um, I'm like, okay, that's interesting, and looking around and you know trying to examine everything see what happened i noticed that there was like some almost some fresh drywall ripped from the wall so i said it looks like uh 
the shelf might have been bolted to the wall. So it's where I think we're looking for like a bolt or a screw or something. So I got down on my hands and knees and like looking around. And I, sure enough, we did find the uh, the screw. Um, and the staff was supposed to check the uh, video surveillance and get back to us, but um, haven't heard anything back yet uh, on that. But um, that was kind of the only interesting thing that happened there. It. It was one of those locations where you couldn't say it was haunted, couldn't say it wasn't haunted, but uh, was interesting enough. That, you know, I would go back for sure, and they did offer us uh, to come back if we want to um, to do it. So uh, you never know; we may actually take them up on that. Other than that, we don't have uh, any investigations scheduled uh, this year. Like I said, we we might be doing the. Um, Naval Museum, which sounds promising. Other than that, I'm working on my fourth book. I've, for those that follow, or don't follow my work, I should say, uh, my first book was uh, about an investigation I did in Exeter, Rhode Island. And it was called Evil in Exeter. It was a private residence um, where something really nasty was, was haunting this family. Um, I saw doors open and close on their own, lock and unlock on their own. Uh, had strange things happen, like electronics be manipulated. Um, I saw aversion to religious objects from uh, one of the children. Uh, the ch scratching and strange noises coming from the room, but the adults, you know, we couldn't see or hear anything or find anything. Um, fairly new house at the time. I think it was maybe nine years old subdivision didn't really have any crazy history. Um, so anyway, it was, uh, it was quite the investigation. I, it's funny. <laughs> Sometimes I fight the science mindset and I want to say that it was just like a really nasty entity because in parapsychology, what we believe is that when you die, you're, human consciousness and your personality somehow survive. And uh, Dr. Sam Perina, who specializes in near-death experiences, I watched an interview with him, and he said that scientifically as a medical doctor, he can say that human consciousness exists for at least two hours after death. He is not sure what happens after that. Uh, it would all be speculation on his part. But he said scientifically as a medical doctor, I can stand up and say that um, human consciousness does exist after death for at least two hours. So the scientific part of me wants to say that, you know, the entity that I was investigating down there in Exeter was just like a really nasty spirit. Because if you were, you know, a kind person in real life or in the physical world, I should say, and you die, you're probably going to be that same kind of person. Like you're not going to change drastically. And same thing if you know you're a, not a nice person, um, you're gonna leopard doesn't change your spots. You're going to be the same person you are in the afterlife as as you were in the physical world. So part of me thinks that it was just like a really nasty, you know, person. Then my interest in demonology kind of clouds my mind too. And when I look at uh, some of the phenomena that occurred, uh, some things would happen in threes. 
um, the aversion to the religious objects, uh, smoke detectors that were going off at 1.30 in the morning for no reason would only turn off when splashed with holy water, um, the statue of the Virgin Mary um, was knocked over on the armoire, the little boy drew a picture of a stick figure swirled in blue swirls and when his mother asked him what that was he said that it was a little boy that likes to that talks to him and likes to play in the fire in his toy room and that same day she had a strange uh message appear on her phone that said uh it said uh, hey I don't want to say it because my phone, but A S I R I, um, Malik, dirty girl, and then the response, uh, you can be anything, and so when we would test it out on the iPhones, the proper response at the time with that iOS software should have been, um, hmm, I just don't understand this gender thing, and uh, Apple had no explanation for why. The response on the original phone said in my realm you can be anything whereas the ios software was programmed to say uh, something else and when we did some malik was a demon in the quran uh or jinn as they call him and um that uh the homeowner had actually been to a medium before or had a medium talk to her before uh that obviously came from like an Islamic background because he had told her that she had a bad gene attached to her. So there was just all these different things that when you couple them together and look at the totality of the situation, you know, as somebody that um, believes in demons or the possibility of demons, um, you know, can't, can't rule that out either. So it's, it's funny that case there, I always fight, fight over internally. Um, but it was definitely something evil one way or the other. And there was a, a quote in there from father Bob Bailey, who used to do exorcism work. He was the family priest and, uh, we had tried to contact him to actually to do an exorcism on the house. But, uh, unfortunately he wasn't doing deliverance work at the time, but he said, uh, whether it's a damn soul or a demon, they're both creatures of hell. And treat them the same way i thought that was really interesting like really powerful to actually hear you know a roman catholic priest say that to somebody um, because he said it with conviction and, and absolute belief and not like oh yeah demons might exist it was you know no these things exist and even if it's not a demon it's a damn soul treat it like a demon anyway thought that was really powerful so ended up writing a, a book on it then my other two books, uh, my mother actually wanted me to uh, write another book. And I said, well, these types of cases don't, don't come along every day. You know, what am I, I going to write about? And I kind of thought of my two passions, uh, working, um, you know, in law enforcement and, and parapsychology. So what I started to do was write, uh, reach out to some coworkers of mine that I worked with and asked if they had any paranormal experiences and, I started with uh, some correctional officer friends of mine and sheriffs and security guards. And next thing I know, I had collected over 50 stories um, from law enforcement with their true paranormal accounts. 
So I called it Supernatural Encounters, True Paranormal Accounts from Law Enforcement. And then after that came uh, out, I started doing a bunch of podcasts and interviews and uh, more law enforcement people contacted me and they uh, shared more stories. And I had like 50 more stories, so I ended up putting in another book. But for the last uh, year or so, being um, my next book, my fourth book, which is called Hauntings and Homicides. And uh, we're going to take a look at uh, some sites where murders have occurred. Now, uh, hauntings are reported. And I always try and stick a little bit of parapsychological education into my books as well. So I try and, you know, give like uh, some layman explanation on, you know, what maybe what a residual haunting is, which is, you know, the belief that, uh, some people call it the stone tape theory or psychic energy imprint into the environment where uh, something really tragic like a murder has happened and the energy is captured in the environment and certain environmental conditions happen where it just replays over and over again, almost like a, a video recording, but it's not an intelligent apparition. So if you were to see the apparition that was murdered in a residual haunting, they wouldn't talk to you or wouldn't even recognize that you're there so i try and i try and throw that in the in the books as well uh because you know education in the paranormals is really important to uh to to me and uh and, and to my organization uh paranormal phenomena research investigation our three objectives actually are investigation research and education so i always try and throw a little bit of you know knowledge in, into the books as well and uh, for anyone that is interested in uh, those books, I actually got a cool uh, text over Christmas. Somebody had sent me a picture of uh, my second book uh, saying that they had received it for Christmas. And, of course, I usually leave my email in there and the PPRI website. Uh, so they tracked me down on Facebook and, uh, and sent me a nice message saying that uh, they had got my book for, for Christmas. So that was kind of cool. But um the easiest, fastest, cheapest way to get it is, is off Amazon. Um, it is on the Barnes & Noble website uh, if you're in the United States, and it's also on uh, Chapters, Coles, Indigo websites up here in Canada. But I find Amazon is you know, pretty much the fastest way to just order it and if you got Prime, free, free shipping. Um, we did kind of open up our own store uh, on PPRI as well to help generate some more uh, funds for our nonprofit organization. So if you want a personalized signed copy of any of those books, you know, uh, certainly uh, go to the website, PPRI.net, send me an email, and uh, I can get that uh, shipped off to you, personally signed to you or somebody else if you want. As a gift, we try and do, like I said, all kinds of different uh, fundraising activities throughout the year because you know we are a nonprofit organization that does our investigations for free puts on you know our i do do some you know free educational uh lectures at uh, public libraries and things like that and uh you know now with the launch of our parapsychological education center online like i said all the tuition that students pay um goes towards uh our nonprofit organization for funding our operations and putting on other bigger events like the uh, Halifax Paranormal Symposium. But uh, we're starting to wind down right now. I don't uh, I don't see any questions that have come in uh, on our chats or anything like that. Um, Dr. Yana and I uh, will be interviewing uh, in part two 
uh, Dr. Dillard, Joseph Dillard. We got to speak to him last week. Uh, the episode hasn't aired yet, but uh, very, very fascinating uh, individual uh, that studies dreams and dream interpretation. And uh, what we're going to do is for the second episode, I'm going to give him uh, a dream that uh, I've had. Uh, maybe uh, I've got a, I've got a couple. I just haven't decided 100% which one I'm going to share with him yet. Um, and he's going to kind of dissect it, but it's um, it should be really interesting. But his work uh, was really fascinating, talking about um, uh, basically analyzing and interpreting that and treating them uh, like characters. And I I didn't get to ask him many questions. My my uh, colleague Dr. Yana was all over him with questions, uh, so I didn't I didn't even really have to say a whole lot there that episode um next uh next week i'll probably ask him but i believe he was talking about lucid dreaming because he was talking about um trying to interact with the character in your dream ask some questions and see what responses they give and then of course it's important uh when you wake up just to write this down try and keep a journal next to your bed uh because we seem to quickly forget our dreams um it's funny when I was younger, if I had like a crazy dream, I, I'm a loose dreamer myself. I can kind of control my dream to an extent and I can kind of make it go places. And, um, but I usually always remembered them and now I find that they dissipate so fast. I don't know if it's old age or I do find now, uh, that unless I share the dream right away, and that's why they tell you now to, to write it uh, as soon as you wake up, um, I find that it does kind of slip your mind uh, a lot. Um, that'll be that'll be really cool and interesting. Uh, another guest that we have coming on the uh, show in couple weeks i believe it will be our tuesday january 30th episode it's going to be my friend chris styles uh he's going to come on and talk about um ufos he's going to talk about his uh book that came out uh last year now because it's 2024 uh called clear sweep five um which talks about a little bit he'll he'll probably cover the shag harbor ufo crash but what clear sweep five is is he actually kind of was a bulldog and kind of came on to that second story that spun off of shag harbor which we always hear um that the ufo disappeared underwater uh yarmouth and um sorry went up to uh shelburne and a second ufo came down and kind of correct uh helped correct the damage that was done to it and then they they flew off and what chris was able to determine is that um the shelburne ufo incident and the shag harbor ufo incident were two different uh incidents the shag harbor one happened in 1967 the shelburne one happened in 1960 so seven years uh before shag harbor so uh he'll be really really interesting to to talk to so got some you know some fascinating episodes coming up uh gotta gotta throw out that uh typical saying that if you guys are enjoying our show um please support us by 
you know, liking, following, subscribing, sharing, or commenting uh, on your favorite uh, listening or viewing platform. And that doesn't cost you anything. I know I was talking about looking for sponsors and people donating to the Halifax Paranormal Symposium. Um, this doesn't cost you anything except for a few seconds of your time just to give us a like, a follow, subscribe, share, comment. And that just kind of, you know, gives us an idea of, you know, our engagement. We're open to discussing some topics that you guys have as well or want to know about uh, because the show is science and the paranormal. So we do talk about science. We do talk about the paranormal. Uh, so if there is something that you would like to talk to, let us know. Um, and we'll, uh, we'll set it up. Other than that, I don't think that's it, guys. I think... Uh, that's all my announcements um we do have an email so if you do have any questions for uh dr ian or i you can send it to science and the paranormal at ppri.net and we also have a website so you can visit that at www.scienceandparanormalpodcast.com uh and again uh if you go to ppri.net that's my uh, non-profit or paranormal organization my um there's a contact us page that you can send an email to and it will, it will eventually come to me. Uh, so you can certainly do that as well. And that's about it. So I hope you all had a wonderful Christmas and uh, had fun for new years. And hopefully you'll uh, tune into us next week and we'll have another episode. Hopefully Dr. Yan is back and I won't just be talking to, you guys for an hour and a half straight um but uh it was fun uh you know enjoyed uh we had one comment tonight that was it so i don't know if it's just a quiet night out there or what but um anyway appreciate all our listeners you guys take care and we'll see you again next week take care <laughs>